another episode of the chad brother show hanging out studio 22 we're already having a party we're having a good time but that's not that's not unusual to this show so hey party time mom and we're having a good time in here with party foul steve who hasn't bathed this week once but he did brush his hair he did you cannot mention steve's hair without him running his fingers through it there you go that's what the ladies want yes they like that yep they Ooh, like that it. just oozes sex mm-hmm. appeal right there and hot news, Natalie's sitting over there in the peanut gallery. How are you doing today? I'm excited for today. Yeah, Kim's it's going to be fun. Kim's kind of a celebrity to me. I, I, we, I, we haven't announced who our guest oh, is sorry. yet. You, you're a, you're I so it fun. I every time. You do. Re-rack. You, you love, <laughs> easy tiger. <laughs> you love jumping the gun. And then, of course, over here, Puppet Master Mark sitting at the helm of the uh, of the starship and Candice, queen of the Ethiopians. Hey, girl, Hey. And uh, Bougie Sean, he's sort of in there. Look, there he goes. Oh, He's our token black guy, the only black guy I know with white privilege, and he gets to sit over in the corner. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we're hanging out here in Studio 22, and as Natalie alluded to, I got our friend Kim Gatlin sitting over here in the hot seat, hanging out, and going to have a good time having a good conversation with her. She's a Dallas girl. Put a little wide shot there so everybody can see. Boom, look at her. We're in here sweating together. We are. I want everybody to see these shoes, though. If no, if you take nothing away from this episode, look at these shoes, girl. Let me tell you something. I bet those things make a racket in the dryer. They're pro. <laughs> those are awesome. Are those hard to walk in? I don't no, want to try. They're comfortable. I don't want to try. No, these are comfortable, Kim. These, these, are, these are comfortable. <laughs> but uh, it's hot. It's still hot. They haven't fixed the air conditioner here in Studio 22. But we're going to have a good time. Who is Kim Gatlin? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. And uh, by the way, before we get into this, go to YouTube if you're going to watch this and go to wherever podcasts are downloaded and subscribe to and get it there so we can count the numbers. We're capitalists. We like to be able to uh, tell our advertisers what we're doing. <laughs> she is the author of the book that is sitting right here in between us. It is called Good Christian Bitches. And I just love saying that phrase. <laughs> Good Christian Bitches. Party time, Mom. And by the way, that's a phrase we use around here because my mother always gives us a hard time. She says it always devolves into party time um, in Studio 22. So we just go ahead and get the party started earlier. <laughs> so for those of you with delicate sensitivities, GCB right there. So tell me how you tell me the inspiration because this thing became the inspiration for a television show, but we'll get into all that and all of that stuff that happened there. But what was the inspiration for the book? Um, I was going through a divorce and I was trying to have as little damage as possible to, to our children. Yeah. And I was seeing a therapist and trying to maneuver it as best I could. And the women that I thought I'd get the most support from were the least supportive. And they happened to be like my Bible study girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was talking to another girlfriend of mine one day who wasn't really much of a believer, you know? Yeah. And, um, she said to me, she said, you know, I'm just really floored by the behavior of some of these good Christian women. And I go, you mean good Christian bitches? And we both just died <laughs> laughing. And I said, I swear to God, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to call it Good Christian Bitches. And then I felt like I had to because I didn't want to be one of those people who said they were going to write a book and never did. Yeah. So. But, you know, I, I know that folks, and you've probably caught grief. I know you have caught oh, yeah. some grief over over the title and mm-hmm. the name and how dare you say. In the but, same word. But let's just time. get into the vein and the spirit of what you're trying to communicate. You, you're like me. You, you were just blunt about it and mm-hmm. said, this is what I'm dealing with. And I've always said that the American church, and I spent a lot of time in third world countries all around the world. I've seen the persecuted church. I've seen Christians that are really up against persecution and oppression and losing their lives for their wow. faith and things like that. And so we kind of live 
in an age where if the air conditioning's not right and the Starbucks coffee's not in the lobby and the music is too loud or you know you got to have the fountains and the and all cushions these things. are too thin. You got yeah. exactly. You got to have all these things when for us to go to these Americanized massive churches that are out there. And for many of us, it's a feel-good social club. And I don't care who gets offended when I say that. I mean, it just – it is. Yeah. It, and, and they're more of go in there and expand your mind and, and feel positive about yourself rather than – And see and be seen. You know, yeah, it's like a, it is. ascending – it's like their version of a country club almost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is. And you want to play your part there and those kind of things. And so you just called it what it was. I mean, you just said, I'm coming at you. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, you know – Make no mistake, I had to examine my own heart and think how many times somebody looked at me and thought, gosh, if that's what Jesus looks like, I don't want anything to do with it, you know? But um, it was just really funny because the time that I really expected for it to be supported and embraced and encouraged, I was getting ripped to shreds, you know? And Rudy and I were both really careful. You know, I didn't want people thinking poorly of my children's father. He didn't want people thinking poorly of their mother. So there was no blood on the sidewalk. There was nothing to talk about. So they just made it up. (laughs) Yeah. And and by the way, folks, this is not, you're not going in Barnes and Nobles and buying this in the devotional section. Yeah, no. That's not what this book is. Okay. Not what this book is. This is a, this is a story. I mean, this is, you're, you're it's telling a novel. based on your life. Uh, and, and I understand exactly what you said. It's a fun book. It's, it's obviously a great concept and you have caught some flack all the way to even Newt Gingrich kind of saying, well, they would never say that about Muslims. Can you tell? Or, oh, yeah, but they would. It, it could have been good Muslim bitches. It could be good Hindu bitches, good Jewish bitches. I mean, just that part was interchangeable. And yeah. you know, it's funny because the producer on my show, um, was Jewish and he showed his mother the pilot before anybody else saw it and she goes well that's just Miss So-and-So at the synagogue <laughs> so. <laughs> so like really they could have just saved the space and called it bitches yeah exactly exactly <laughs> worldwide bitches <laughs> it is party time mom no let me say what you gonna say Bush I just want to say bitches. <laughs> I mean, everybody's saying it. I just want to say it. Not yeah. to that. That's that's what people people are like. Oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? I love it, man. Because because you know, we I go around and around with folks, and I say, just have fun. You know, it's, it's it needs to be. People need to be able to laugh at themselves. And I love what you said about kind of turning the own, uh, turning the the searchlight on your own heart, and saying, you know, hey. This is, you know, for every finger I point at somebody else, I got three pointing back That's at right. me. And, you know, I do that all the time. And I and I believe in self-deprecating humor to look at myself and my flaws and just oh, be able to favorite. laugh at yeah. it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm also going to mock people, too, because that's what I do, and I don't care who they are. Right. You know? I, I mean, that's, you know, that's in my job description, so we have fun with it. But you write the book. The book obviously comes out. It's got great reviews, and it's a fun book to read. I haven't read all of it, but I was just kind of I was just kind of scanning through some of it and reading your bio. And... Uh, and it's like entertaining. And obviously Hollywood picks up on that. It was crazy. Um, you know, I just thought it'd do well locally, you know, yeah. because I knew actually I didn't think that as many people were going to play the parlor game of who's who. I was really kind of surprised at that. And I was telling Natalie earlier that the people that should have been, you know, some people think reflection is better left to mirrors, as we all know, you know. Yeah. So the people that you thought might have had something ring a, a little hint of truth to them had no clue, you know, yeah. that it, that they were anything like that. And the people that never crossed my mind in the last 20 years were like, I can't believe you put me on your book. And I was yeah. like, no, wait, who are you again? Exactly. You know, but it really, it really emphasized that old thing we all hear about how everybody's really the center of their own universe, you know, because I just, I couldn't believe how many people just like Thought made it, it about them. Yeah. Well, this, I'll tell you a story. So my ex-wife wrote a novel 10 years ago, and I promise you, every bad guy in the book is me. 
<laughs> and all of the good dudes in the book are, are an amalgam of all of her ex-boyfriend <laughs> from college, who was amazing and apparently walked on water. So, so yes, that is true, Kim. That's exactly what happens. All the negative stuff was me, you know, and, and apparently I died in the end of that book. But, oh. uh, you know, anyway, so. <laughs> oh, no. Is this like the mother of your children? This, uh, yeah. This is my ex-wife. This is my oh. ex-wife. Title so my wife, Jade, bitch. and I, I have a fantastic marriage. And I don't understand. Everybody knows Jade and myself. And a lot of times Jade's on the show as well. Uh, everybody loves Jade and, and folks who don't know. Most people know. I We were both married before. She has one. I have four. And uh, her one, I still consider my own. So of course. We, you know, we got five kids. That's awesome. I, yeah. I, I, have, a, I have a stepdad like you. And yeah. you won't believe the difference you're making if that's yeah. the way you approach yeah. it. It's I love incredible. him like my own. Yeah. You know, when I when I pray for my kids, he's he's on the top of the list, too. Uh-oh. So, you know, it's uh, one of those things. But in, in a good relationship with my ex-wife as well. But it, it's... Um, it's fun to laugh about because, yeah. you know, we do things in our young life and then we come out of it. And, and, you know, you talked about being in therapy. I do what I do. I got into the world of comedy because for me it was therapy. I'm sure. It, it go out because I was depressed and I went out and, you know, it's good to go out and find an artistic expression that kind of you're able to get it out, get it sure. off your chest. And a lot of folks don't take that. Like you said, a lot of people say they're going to write a book and they never do. Mm-hmm. You did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did it. And it was a great book and it turned into some huge things. And I want to get into this because I want to tell you just a hair a bit more of my experience because I, you know, I want to see how it compares to yours. Uh-huh. So I wrote a, a sitcom idea a while back, and a lot of big people out there in Hollywood got on board with it. We pitched it to ABC and CBS and Fox and TBS. Eric Tannenbaum, who was executive producer of Two and a Half Men, he had gone over to Lionsgate. So he picked it up. Lionsgate had it. And so we were pitching this sitcom idea. We're about to start pitching a different idea out there. But I'm, I'm kind of a conservative guy. You know, I'm outspoken in, in that way. And sometimes I get a little political on things. And, you know, I, that didn't bode well. <laughs> in Hollywood, right? Right. Uh, but it was a great idea, and a lot of folks love it, and who knows? It's not dead in the water yet. So I've kind of had that experience, which for me was surreal, because you go out there, and here you're in all of these major studios and, and these major uh, you know, executive producers and writers and these folks that are on board, and it's kind of, you know, I'm just a redneck that grew up in Georgia and lives in Fort Worth, Texas now, <laughs> and, and I'm just salt of the earth what am what I am. What you see is what you get, sort of, sort of. Uh, how was that experience for you, though? Yeah, it was crazy because um, I was really lucky that a lot of my media friends mm-hmm. um, that freelanced for national publications yeah. wrote about it. And Newsweek, a friend of mine wrote for Newsweek, and they don't do book reviews in Newsweek, but she put me in Periscope. Mm. And it was the same issue that had that, I know it's called something, I should know the name of it, but it's that red, black, and like pale blue portrait thing of Obama yeah. was on the cover. Yeah, the whole so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like the week before the election. So I'm sure that was like more of a collector's issue. It was. So many people picked that up that wouldn't have picked it up otherwise. And then my phone just started blowing up. And the two and a half men guys called me, the Ugly Betty, uh, the mm-hmm. office, all this. They started calling me. And literally, I would walk into these meetings and I'd put my hand on the doorknob like before I'd walk in. I'd think, okay, God, they can't eat me and I might learn something. And yeah. I'd just walk through the door, you know. Yeah. And they were all really nice, but yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And then finally, um, Patrick Swayze was a good friend of my ex my ex-husbands and um patrick was sick he was still with us but um i uh, his secretary is a good friend of mine and she was like will you call your attorney and see if he'll help her and so he did and he took me to william morris and it was so funny because they were like i self-published my my book i was gonna ask originally. you yeah mm-hmm. and well the thing is i knew I, I was too afraid to let a publisher do it because i didn't i am a christian and yeah. i do love god and so i didn't want them to butcher it and make it something it wasn't supposed to be 
And so um, the when I went to the lady at William Morris, I mean, she had like 300 manuscripts in her office that mm-hmm. no telling how long they'd sat there. But I gave her my book on a Friday afternoon. She called me Monday morning and told me she wanted to represent me. And I always kind of felt like it ended up being like more of my calling card kind of. Mm-hmm. And plus then I had like an official issue of what I wanted it to look like out there, you know, so people knew like what was really in my heart and what I was trying to say. And um, so uh, the show was originally supposed to go to HBO. Okay. And I was so nervous about that because it could have ended up soft porn, you know. And when it went, ended up going to major network, I was like, oh, thank God, because yeah. I just felt like we were being protected in that regard because they couldn't go too far off the rails with it. You right. know, with it being on, on HBO, they could have. Yeah. So. Well, that, and that's um, – I have people who watch this program and, and other things that I do in comment, and they, they always had a commentary and their opinion about – my time in L.A. and the things that I do, because I was with the Gersh Agency. My agent just moved over to Paradigm, so I'm with Paradigm now. And, you know, my manager's in L.A., and, and he had, um, you know, he had uh, Mad About You for nine mm-hmm. seasons. That's a great you know, show. He, he represented Paul Reiser for 23 years. So he's a TV guy. All these guys are TV guys. Right. And so going out there is one of those things where, like you, I didn't lose any sleep. Like, I let those guys run with that. I just created the ideas. I'd jump on a plane, fly out there, sit down for a 45-minute meeting, 45 minute meeting with guys like Tom Werner, you know, that had everything from, you know, soap to Roseanne to the 70s show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, then I'd turn around and fly right back. And then I didn't lose a wink of sleep over it because I was, like you said, they can't eat you. Uh-uh. And they're not going to kill me. And plus, I'd take a shot of tequila and roll on Molly, and I was set. So it was... <laughs> <laughs> I had fun in LA. I loved everybody, man. Uh, no, uh, I just I had a blast in those meetings. I was like, "What's your kid's name?" Uh, so we're gonna be friends. <laughs> What's your number? Put your cell in my phone. I'll text you mine. Uh, yeah, so it was a great experience because you'd go in there and you sit down and you think, man, all of the people that you've seen on TV and movies have sat in these same seats and pitched these same ideas. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that when it comes to the TV business. You can come up with a really good idea, and like you said, she had 300 manuscripts sitting on her desk. You got about a one in 1,000th chance of that thing ever even seeing the light of day. Absolutely. And it ever sticking. So the fact that yours did is, is, you know, one kudos to you for writing such a creative and incredible, (laughs) unique idea. Because, you know, we'd go out there and pitch sitcom ideas, and all these people would say, yeah, that was uh, that was done on Three's Company in 1978, and I'm like, you know, look, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So I admire people who can come up with a creative idea, and and it's so unique that they say this story needs to be tell told. And I'm one of those guys who hasn't completely written Hollywood off yet. Like, yeah. like, yeah, there's crazies out there, but there's crazies everywhere. You'd be amazed at the number of conservative people there's out there that will pull you aside and go, "Hey, I'm one of you. Just yeah. don't get me killed." Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got I've got a lot of them, and folks that represent me from my attorney. Attorneys all the way down and uh, or all the way up even. It's so it's interesting to see that. But I, I say that if you want to put your voice out there, what greater place to do it? I mean, we use social media these days, but mm-hmm. what greater place to do it than Hollywood? It's a huge platform. It's a massive platform. And you just never know what doors God might open mm-hmm. to see to get that voice out there. Yeah, it's so funny because this has been just such a, you know, bumpy road, mm-hmm. you know, and. 
it was it's like it was never really completely done. Like after the show got canceled, um, Kid Craddock mm-hmm. uh, approached me about uh, you gotta quit the naming off dead dudes, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is like Patrick Swayze and Kid Craddock, and oh, one time I was sitting down with Chad Prather and <laughs> God rest his soul. No. <laughs> and I just and that's terrible. I just thought about that. It's I like, know. oh, this has turned into a very morbid episode. I'm starting to you feel are like... a good Christian bitch. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like I'm really bad luck. How are you feeling, Chad? Um, but no, it's, seriously, he was going to fund a musical out of it. I mean, wow. he was all in. I mean, he loved it. And, and apparently he owned like a huge publishing catalog of right. Broadway sure. shows, which you would have never guessed. But um, anyway, and then about the time that Kid passed and that was no longer a deal, they were circling back to talk about. Because when we got canceled, I mean, in their defense, all there was was networking cable. You didn't have, you know... Uh, what Amazon, yeah, and, Amazon yeah, all Video the OTT Netflix, networks yeah, like Amazon Hulu, and HBO uh, Go. And yeah, yeah. Even Facebook these days has right. their own. Yeah. So, I mean, our only options were like major network or cable, and that was it. And then now yeah. there's all this other stuff. And so when it came up, it was like, you know, let's take a, a, a shot at this again. Yeah. So I felt really fortunate in that regard. But So now when the show got picked up originally mm-hmm. and, and you got, I'm assuming they, they at least took you to a script and got the writers on it, it was picked up by ABC. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Darren Starr optioned it from me first. Yeah. He's the guy that did Sex in the City and Melrose Place, Beverly Hills 90210 and mm-hmm. all that. And, and, and so basically you kind of had to take your baby and hand it to and a team And it's so hard because you've got one baby in the nursery and they've got 50. Yeah. And that whole the squeaky wind gets the grease doesn't work in that deal. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody keeps going, what would you do? And I was like, I was just really nice to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I let them know I was really grateful to be there. <laughs> you know? When I first started going out to Hollywood and sitting down with these guys, they were throwing around terminology that I had no idea what they were talking about. So I started buying books and reading them. I'd yeah. read all through the night of like how to sell a screen uh, screenplay and all these things. And, right. And so I was doing and I was trying to do this crash course of how to learn the terminology, because I'd go out there and I was like, I don't know what, I don't, I'm in a different world here. Oh, it's, well, you and know? see, my cousin w- has been an actress like her whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie Harmon, she was on like Law and Order. Oh, I love Angie Harmon. <laughs> Woo, that's your cousin? She's pretty, yeah. Well, come in now, let me stop for a second and talk about Angie Harmon. <laughs> She's a smoke show. <laughs> Used to be, not, back tw- 10, 12 years ago, they'd say, uh, who's the hottest woman on the planet? I'd say, Ar- Angie Harmon. See? Yeah, I know. I knew I liked you. She's still married to... No. No, they got divorced, didn't they? They did. Thank God. Nah. That's, <laughs> you're telling me. See, what was his name? See? I don't remember. He, what, he played for, I the, forgot played his for name. football, whatever. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Angie Harmon. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. You'd love her. Yeah, Lee, boy, stop stop the clock right there. <laughs> yeah, well, Candace, throw up an Angie Harmon pick right there. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so you're talking to Angie. Well, I mean, so I, I knew a little bit about television just from her always working in that business. But, yeah. um, um I just kind of, I mean, I literally, I'm, this sounds crazy, but I really approached it like, you know what, God's in charge. Either something's yeah. going to happen with it or it's not. And I mean, I just kind of waited to see. And I tried not to hold on to it too tight. And I felt like I really wasn't because every time I'd think, oh, well, that was fine. Then something else would come up where it was, you know, reemerging. And the thing is, you know, that was 
that that's the elephant in the living room that we all grew up with. If you grew up in a Christian home and if you grew up going to church, everybody knows that one of the meanest women you've ever met in your life goes to your church. You know, and she that's pretends fact, some to, of the craziest pretends to be holier than thou. You know, and if anybody watching this thing wants to disagree with that, you know, you lie because yeah, exactly. I mean it's some of the meanest folks out there, and it really it really is. Well, you know what's so funny is like my mother got she went through the worst. Everybody goes, did you get a hard time from that and all that? And not, nothing happened to me nearly as bad as what what my mother went through. Mm-hmm. It was awful. And I mean, if you think mean girls are mean girls in middle school, just wait till they're 70. You know, it's like they are pros at that point. You know, they've, they've got lived that long. Yeah. Listen, if they've lived that long, trust me, they've honed some skills. They have mastered that meanness. I'm no. telling you. Kidding. But seriously, like one of her friends, I'll never forget. She had a tendency to play around and like astrology stuff and, you know, want to do people's charts and all that kind of stuff. And they were always talking about this woman like she was a practicing witch, mm-hmm. okay? And she was the one who was the most offended by my title. And I'm like, when's the last time you darkened the door of a church? <laughs> what are you talking about, yeah. you know? It was just crazy to me. And the people that you would have thought, my my grandmother who passed away about five years ago, she was still alive when my book came out. Mm-hmm. And I thought my dad was going to tell her about it, you know, because she's a dyed-in-the-wool Southern Baptist. And he was like, no, I'm going to let her let you tell her about that. And I'm like, great, thanks. Yeah. So we go to lunch, and I, I go, so I've written this book. And I said, it's a novel. And I said, but uh, the title of it is called Good Christian Bitches. And she just <laughs> busted out laughing. She goes, well, we've all known a few of those, haven't we? And I was like, okay, well, I'm good with it. Because, I mean, she was 88 and still teaching Sunday school. Yeah. I mean, she walked it, you know. So if she was okay with it, the lady who's over here doing ast- astrology charts isn't going to bother me. You know? Yeah. So. so let's talk about Angie Harmon some more. <laughs> Jason Seabold, that's who she was married to. Justin, Justin. I'm, I'm kidding. You're right. Jason Seahorn. Jason, she was Jason married Seahorn. Jason Seahorn. He's the father of my niece or yeah. my second yeah. cousin, so I should be kind. Yeah, Jason Seahorn. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I knew it was see something. But anyway, <laughs> enough about it, Angie. Uh, but no, that's exactly the truth. And it's funny that people get so bent out of shape. Like a lot of times in my comedy shows, I'll start off, and, and my comedy is, by at least by my standards, it's, it's a clean comedy show. Mm. I'll show you the edge. I'm just not going to push you over. Right. I'll make you feel a little uncomfortable. Sure. And some people get feel, they feel a lot uncomfortable. But I'll say something. I'll say, well, I, can just, I just heard every Baptist butthole in the room puckering. You know? And this, this, is a, this is a butthole pucker right here, this book. I mean, this is one of those that poof, you can hear. You can almost feel the wind leave. The air just leaves the room, you know? Uh, you could hear that. Ah, that's that's not them gasping. That's their buttholes puckering. That's hilarious. I know. So that's, that's and you know, the, you know the emotion. You can just feel it right in your sphincter. <laughs> Some people are watching the show right now going, I can't watch this anymore. I mean, it's funny. Tighten up, folks. Um, hot news. Yeah. Have you? Did you watch the show? I did. Did, did you see the show? I, I, I never got a chance to see the I show. Know, I didn't mean to really give her away, but I really was. I yeah. totally got into that show. When it, I think, I feel like maybe the opening scene was maybe at church or or there was a there was, um, they were actually in, the guy that Angie's dating now is a guy named Greg Vaughn, who's an actor. Uh, but and. Greg Vaughn, when they, that name down. When they first, <laughs> when she first told me, it was a year ago Thanksgiving, she first told me she was seeing him. She said, uh, a guy named Greg Vaughn. I go, wait. I go, Greg Vaughn, Greg Vaughn, Greg Vaughn, Greg Vaughn. I go, I think that's the guy that died getting, can I, can I say? Yeah, you can okay. say, yeah, you can say blowjob. I, I think that's the guy that died getting a blowjob in a Bentley in the opening scene of my show. Oh, that was the opening scene. <laughs> 
Uh, that's not in my book, though, I'll have you know. I'm that was Hollywood. That. That's Hollywood yeah. doing that. See, fuck, you can write a good devotional book and see what it becomes. The dude dies in a Bentley. So I immediately pulled fun. it up on my phone and I showed it to her on YouTube. I was like, that guy? That was hilarious. Heck of an actor. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that Greg Vaughn guy. Yeah. Hey, uh, the next time Vaughn's in a Bentley, could we put a hit on him? Uh, maybe send out somebody to, to, to take him out uh, pleasurably. Because Angie Harmon, I need her back on the market. Why would you look at the black guy to take out a hit? Like, look at Party Foul. He was in the Marines. I've never touched a gun yeah, in my life. Yeah, but you know Party Foul would mess up a hit. Uh, That's why we call him Party Foul. We're probably going to have a drink together. Bougie, I barely trust you. Get blowjobs in Bentley. Yes, of course I'm going to ask the black guy. Granted, you don't know any black people, but whatever. <laughs> Not a We're single, like your token white friends. Not a single black friend. <laughs> He's got some. They don't claim him, though. <laughs> He's probably got one. I, you got I, a token black friend? I am a token black friend. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say, Nat? I hope that uh, that we get to see Kristen Chenoweth in some so Kristen Chenoweth was in the original yes. Virgin, yeah. Uh-huh. Big fan of hers. Big and she's awesome. She's so yeah. fabulous. So talented. Oh, and so sweet. Sugar wouldn't melt in her mouth. I yeah. mean, she's, I've, I've heard so many good things about her. And I, she, we have mutual friends, and they, they're always just singing her praises. She's and, the best. She yeah, really incredibly is. Incredibly talented. Uh, I mean, and how tall is she? About 4'10". <laughs> she's pocket size. She thing. makes me feel svelte. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, maybe 5'4". Yeah, she's pocket size. But that'd be great. So the CW, have they picked it back up? Mm-hmm. Are they yeah. going to run with it? Uh, and, well, they were supposed to. They made an announcement at Thanksgiving that they were going to put it in this season. Yeah. But then they've had some problems with the um, writers and stuff. So it's going to be 2020, like originally. It's so funny when you get into dealing with Hollywood and their timetables. And I learned a lot, like what you got to do in the spring and what you got to do buying season. And then. You know, they'll get the writers together. And, the, and so, like, a couple of years can can really go by before. They, I mean, I told them they suffer through things in dog years. They you really know? do. I mean, it's like, oh, my God, what? I mean, it's like, this has happened at lightning speed. I was like, oh, my God, I've aged a thousand years since this process started. Don't yeah. tell me this was so fast. Like, that new movie that just came out on Netflix, The Highwayman, with mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson. We watched and, that just the um, other night. And uh, Costner, Kevin yeah. Costner. You know, that, they originally wrote that script for Paul Newman. I mean, that's how far back that I went. I heard that. And they gave, they gave Costner that script like 13 years ago to do something with. And the thing's just kind of – and it's not, you're exactly right. I mean, you, it, they, it's a hurry up and wait in the world of television and movies. It absolutely is. It really is. And, then, and that's why you have all these movies that have been made that never get released until somebody becomes really, really big. And then they're like, hey, let's slide this. Let's pull this off the shelf and release it as a – as a new movie. Or like you said, if they become really big, then they've got the ability to mm-hmm. kind of insist somebody do it, you yeah. know. And But, I mean, like, I knew so many people, and this is what scared me to death, that they had their books optioned mm-hmm. for a film project or a TV project. And it's like that option had been renewed every year for like 20 years. They just keep it. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, how do you stand it? Yeah. You know? So I just felt real lucky that I'd ever saw, you know, The Light of Day for 10 episodes. You yeah. Know? 10 episodes and... <laughs> The, I, from everything I've heard, everybody that's seen the show loved the show. They enjoyed the show. Was it a critical issue or no? Because there's no there's no way to justify or even know what it is in Hollywood that they say, okay, we're going to get rid of it. We're going to cut this show. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Actually, those uh, 
one million moms tried to take credit for getting it canceled. And there's like 50,000 of them, by the way. There's not a million of them. <laughs> but I got blocked from their Facebook page. Imagine, imagine that. <laughs> but anyway, um, they uh, tried to take credit for getting it canceled. It wasn't a numbers thing. It was internal. There was some stuff going on behind the scenes with some of the people that just – and they asked me not to talk about it. And I, I was, okay, I won't talk about it, you know. But um, it, it really didn't have anything to do with the cast. Yeah, it was it was like the powers that be. Yeah, got crossed up. Well, and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about the business of television sitcoms, let's say, so they'll in movies are the same way. So, let's say they take ten scripts and they make they're going to make ten shows this year. Mm-hmm. Probably two of those are going to be successful and continue on to another season, and they're going they're deficiting all of these shows so they are going in the hole every studio is going in the hole to make those shows and then the ones that are paying for it are the ones that have gone on like your friends and your Seinfeld and King of Queens and all of these shows that they now have in syndication that are after that are making five. billions of yeah. dollars worldwide and those are the ones that are paying back mm-hmm. So, so you know, Hollywood's putting so much money in all of these shows to be made that are really never going to make any money. Well, and what, that's why I don't understand why they don't give them more of a chance than one season, though. You would think they would. Yeah. But here's what, here's what else I've learned about Hollywood. They don't know what's best for them. They really don't. Damn. So you take, for instance, the, the stuff, and I know ABC came out, or no, CBS came out with a press release uh, last buying season, and they said, look, don't bring us any ideas that involved uh, – you know, Silver Lake hipsters with skinny jeans on because it's just been, you know, these Hollywood, these L.A. people don't bring us any more of that because they, they're, they're not doing that. But yet you got Tim Allen's show who um, what's the name of it? A man. Yeah. Last man standing. Yeah. So ABC cancels him and it's the third rated you know, it's one of the third rated. It yeah, is the third rated show. He premiered the same season I did that on, on and a they deal. Bagged us and not him. Yeah. So he got yeah. however many more years. Well, he got what seven seasons, I think, out of the thing, and then they canned it, and it was the number three show on TV, and no rhyme or reason to it. Everybody wanted to make it a political thing because it was kind of a conservative thing. And then Roseanne comes on, and she kind of her pilot was at least conservative in the beginning, but then it really wasn't a conservative show because after that, it wasn't about any of that. Yeah. And then, of course, she, you know, she tweets on Ambien, and they wind up firing her and the whole thing. And so everyone takes all devices yeah. away from me after Ambien. <laughs> exactly, right? Because you're like, I see Gumby in the room. <laughs> Gumby's eating Cheetos. Honey, you're watching C-SPAN. That's Trump. The, the, uh, and, I, and I said... But, you know, America, most folks who would watch this show, and we have millions of people who, who watch this show, and, and they're going, we don't want to watch TV anymore. We don't want to watch sitcoms because they're so against what we believe mm-hmm. in blue-collar middle America, these hardworking folks that are out there. They're saying, hey, New York and L.A. doesn't represent us anymore. And so and we're coming right. out there saying it's not about blue. It's not about red. It's about green. Let's go make money together. If this is a good creative idea that kind of tells the voice of – which, by the way, my sitcom uh, – uh, the one we wrote actually had uh, just some common dude that, in short, uh, you know, just a common family that did well for themselves and wound up moving into Highland Park in Dallas, which they probably got involved with. Happens every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> it's everybody's arrival plan. <laughs> exactly. And so anyway, um, it's funny. Those those kind of worlds collided. But yeah, I love I, that way. They didn't like it. Uh, Are they still looking at it? They, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be honest with you. That idea, um, I wasn't a huge fan of it. 
it, it, I had to push too hard. The new idea I've written, I wrote that idea, but the new idea I like even better. And uh, we're going to, we're, we're running, we're dealing with them out there. I mean, our idea is still on the table from before. Um, it had all the elements, but I felt like it was a little too contrived. Well, I don't think they understand the thing that I would think is that they don't really understand that people can't relate. I mean, they want stuff that's more relatable, yeah. you know, and I mean, stuff that you see on TV every day isn't real relatable to you and me, you know, yeah. to what they call, you know, so affectionately the flyover states. Because your show, it was, it was, it was a comedy, but yeah. it wasn't a sitcom per se. It was, it more was a, a dramedy. It was more dramedy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which yeah. I love those. And so, yeah. so, cause we were pitching an idea, which was a three camera deal, uh, a multicam. And, and so I wasn't, I felt like it was a little more contrived. This idea that we're writing right now is a single cam. It's a little more edgy mm-hmm. and it's a little more parks and rec type feel, mm-hmm. uh, the office type feel to what we've got going. And it's a little bit easier to do because I feel it's a little more artistic to do it that way. Did you write it? Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. So we're, you know, we're, who knows? Like I said, I don't lose sleep over it, Mm-mm. but it's, it's. You got a day job. I got a day job. I'm doing great. And I don't want to spend seven, eight you months have a day of my job. He has a night job. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. I got, I'm 24 hours. I'm 24 hours. I'm like, a, I'm like a Bob Craft Asian spa, man. The open neon is, is in the window 24 7. We take from 7 to 8 a.m. off just get, for a nap and a drink sake. You get told daily to keep your day job. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, don't know I, work, I work eight days right. a week. I'm telling you, it's, it, we never take a break. Isn't that awesome, though? I'd, it is. I'd much rather do that. We you do what you love well and that's what i was saying too is like anytime anybody does any of this stuff people don't realize like the hard part starts after you write the book or right. after you do the tv show or after you know that's yeah. that's when you've got to really got to get to work and hustle and all that and so many people would rather go day drink i've realized uh, well, yeah i would that's why we usually drink on set here I was party say, time mom you, and you, that, sh- you should drink <laughs> while you work exactly that's why we typically do this and and uh, I, I know the weekend i had a rough last week in a series of shows in the pacific northwest and so I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop from having to take my liver out and beat it with a hammer and put it uh, back do in. Do we need to pray over your liver? No, <laughs> he's okay. It's going to be all right for now. 46 year old liver. I can't believe it's hung in there. <laughs> Drinking apple juice like most people drink water, and it ain't apple juice. What you got now? You know, what I think it'd be great. What? You should talk to her about you and Angie Harmon being written in. So I have Christian this idea bitches. of having Angie in my show. <laughs> I love that. You know, she, I get her show, and then you could go. Y'all could yeah, be, be extras in the background. She's that'd not be. working right now. Yeah. Well, guess what, Angie? I'm coming for you. But I, I dress. I do clean up better than this, Angie. But we're in a we're in a sweat box, aren't we? It's Tell a little warm in here. Tell them, Kim. We're, we we've got the thermostat set I'm on listening. hell. <laughs> it's freaking hot, man. Candace is in charge of that. That's her fault. Brutal. Oh, Candace. Brutal. But no, it's I. For me, it's fun. You know, I, I have people, I, the folks that want to say, just stay away from Hollywood. Don't sell out. And I was like, it's not about that. It's oh. about. Look, I'm 46 years old. I know who I am. Yeah, sell out. You know please. who you are. Please sell yeah. out. Steve's begging us to sell out. Sell out. He's like, please write me a bigger check. Yes. But uh, and Natalie's like, please write me a check. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Are you volunteering over there? We're yeah. gonna put you back on the pole, girl. Girl, gotta eat. Come on the road I have never been a stripper. Oh, that's good. Well, you're still young enough. <laughs> We're gonna buy you <laughs> a big old really snake. <laughs> Come out on stage. Got Take you to Augusta, Georgia, pole. and put you at the Marine Room, the discotheque. Yeah, for our next show. 
But it's fun when you do what you love doing. It and, is. And, and you're creating and you'll be able to put it out there. And yes, Hollywood's crazy. They've always been crazy. They have. They've always been crazy. And seriously, I mean, they. it was so funny because they were like, you know, this is when you were talking about ideas, there's yeah. no new ideas again. One thing I kept hearing over and over again is, you know, you know, nobody's ever done this before. Did yeah. I? I was like, oh, y'all are Jewish. Who was going to do this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> nobody's going nobody's to write that title yeah. in that deal. Of course nobody's and, done this before. <laughs> and, but, you know, I love it because this story is it's just it's a tale of human life and experience. Mm, it totally is. A, it's digging into what everyone out there, especially if you've if you've been in any form of society. Mm hmm. And you've gone out there and you have to deal like I, like again, back to Hollywood. It's so funny to me. I'll go out to Beverly Hills and we'll go to lunch and you sit there at lunch and you see these groups of women that are sitting around and they are just I'm just back and forth at each other. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And same thing they, happens at Albernay's and Island Park. <laughs> I mean, they are just riding people down the rail, The man. difference in Hollywood, though, is so funny. Every time I went to lunch or dinner with Darren Starr and Aaron Kaplan, Aaron yeah. was the co-producer sure. on the show. Um, I mean, you could see people. Well, who's she? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> they didn't know who I was, and they knew who they were. And it was like, then why don't we know who she is and what she doing with him when I clearly can't get a meeting or a yeah. lunch or you know what I mean? But it was like, well, who's that? Oh, look at me. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just coming in shoe leather and I go in there and I'm, I'm having breakfast with Eric Tannenbaum, you know, and we're, we're sitting there and we're, we're, you know, going to lunch. I've got his cell phone number right here and, and I get the same looks, yeah. you know, I yeah. come into the office and all of his, you know, assistants are looking like, you know, you're, you're not Kevin James, you know, who, you know, who is I like this? the feeling. So I went with him for one yeah. of those meetings. And it was like, I was like, hey. You kind of yeah. like a big deal. Yeah. It's big time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you feel, yeah, I mean, you're not impressed by people. No. I mean, they put their pants on, same as you. And it's just, it's it's the same. But, you know, it's still fun because these are influencers. And you're out there. And I've always said, and the folks close to me, my wife, she knows. I've, I've said over and over again. Every time I go to one of those meetings, I say, if nothing ever happens, I know that people, the top people in the entertainment industry looked at my idea and said, that's good enough. And if they even looked at it for five minutes, you've yeah. done something a lot of other people couldn't do. Yeah. You know? I mean, there were people, again, like Tannenbaum, who, who who look at a guy who had, you know, King of Queens and Two and a Half Men and Mad About You, going back to that one. And he looked at it and he said, I want to make this show. Mm -hmm. I want to make this show. You know, to me, I'm like, okay, I created something that Hollywood said was good enough. That'll put a little cock on your walk. Yeah, it will. Absolutely. Yeah. Give you, it adds to my Texas swagger, too. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's fun to go out there and do it. But it, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make you... You can't live and die by it. You can't live and die by it. You know, no, you can't it's, 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 it's so out of your control. Yeah. You know, if it's over tomorrow, then what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it easily could be. So the CW picks it up. How often are you? When? When? when what's your schedule looking like? You're going to have to keep going back and forth out to Hollywood, or I'm waiting to be told what my schedule's going to look gotcha. like. Yeah, I kind of understand. Patiently, kind of a hurry up right, and wait lawyer? Right yeah, <laughs> yeah. So people, you can still get the book. Who's publishing it now? Let me look. Oh, I got the new tattoo, and it's all wrapped up and nasty and gross right now. Um, Hyperion. When um, Hyperion. ABC optioned it, um, Hyperion is owned by ABC. Yeah, and so they do that a lot. They'll pick up an idea and then re-release the book yeah. under their imprint. And so, um, but they changed the ending of that one. So I brought you this one. Oh, okay. They changed the ending, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Good. Um, like the very last I guess. line in the book was, yeah. thank you, God, for always being exactly who you say you are. Yeah. 
So, like, they took that out, and it's like, what's the point now? The whole book. It's like, don't mind me. (laughs) (laughs) I like this, though. The good Christian bitches of Hillside Park Presbyterian are praying for Amanda Vaughn, or so they claim. Will their evil gossip destroy her reputation, or will she show them exactly how to turn the other cheek? I love it. It's well, fantastic. yeah, it's so true because, I mean, I hate to say this, but, I mean, I tried to get a lot better. Clearly, if I was going to write a book about gossip, it probably wasn't good for me to be holding court. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a book that gossips about gossipers. Yeah. <laughs> did you name names or did you change the names no, to protect the innocent? I totally changed. Well, and it started out, that's what I was going to tell you when I had my children and uh, or when I was seeing the therapist about my children. Yeah. Um, the therapist was like, you should journal. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that, you know. And then like three or four sessions, like, you know, you really should be journaling. I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to journal, but thanks, you know. Finally, she goes, okay, there was this study they did, and they took this group of men who was sent to prison and had them journal, and this group that didn't. And you could see how much, it, like in, in so much healthier way they were processing stuff, by even by their handwriting. Yeah. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me that the first time you told me you wanted me to journal? Then I'd have done it, you know. Yeah. So I, I did start journaling. And then the more stupid stuff that would happen in the neighborhood, you know, I was like, and I, I said to one of my girlfriends, I was like, literally, if I'm going to have to start changing the names in my journal, because if I get run over by a bus or something, there's some people in this town that are going to be so humiliated, <laughs> you know? And so that's why I decided to do it a novel because, and then also I, I used a ghostwriter and I used a Jewish man for a ghostwriter because right. I didn't want some other Christian bitch bringing her own personal baggage <laughs> to my project, you know, and I knew she'd try to. You know? <laughs> so, and then um, also just, I fe- figured like a man's perspective wasn't going to like interfere with my female perspective. Right. So that's why I used him. And but I did it because I wanted to make sure that I didn't bring any prejudice to any of the characters without even realizing it, because I felt like if I handed somebody their head, then I wasn't any better than they were. You know, so I had to be real careful, careful of that. But um, so like even the main character is like four different people. You know, and everybody was just yeah. for that very reason. And yeah. people still were insistent, oh, that's me. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you know what? That can that can just be you. Fine, it's you. Here's a <laughs> T-shirt. I'd be like, why do you even want to be her? I don't understand right? that. She's hideous. Yeah. You know, why are you insisting that's me, that's on being me. her? That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. Did, you learn, did you lose any friends? Oh, from, yeah. Like, yeah. Legit? I didn't at first. Here's what's funny. It's like voting for Trump. you're not kidding i mean seriously um in the beginning you know it doesn't matter what you do and i I know fort worth isn't like this but dallas is bad like this like it doesn't matter what you do okay if you get any attention for it everybody is up your business like nobody's business Right. right okay well when my book first came out it was like oh yay you know oh she's been one of my best friends for 20 years and i'm like who is that you know yeah. <laughs> and then um when the show came out it it escalated you know it was even more and then this one particular woman who was like one of my mom's best friends for like 40 years decided um oh i'll tell you what it was d magazine did a half a page thing over the parlor game of who's who and she guessed that this woman, she and my mom had birthdays at the same time. And then her husband and my stepfather had birthdays at the same time. They traveled together. They'd celebrated their birthdays together for 40-something years. D Magazine put in there that she was this one particular character. Really? And she calls my mother bawling and breaks a dinner uh, uh, dinner plans for that night and had not spoken to my mother since. And that was all because of what the person put in D Magazine that was unfounded. And I even had emails from ABC Publicity saying, please protect me from these people. Nobody walks away from D Magazine not looking like a tar baby. And so I don't want to talk to them. I mean, I had the proof that I never spoke to them. 
Amazing. Uh huh. Yeah. So, I mean, you find out people are some kind of crazy. They really are. Good magazine, bitches. <laughs> and you, you just kinda, magazine. You kind of really find out how how neurotic and how like full of themselves some people are that you would have never dreamed until something like this kind of causes it to be exposed. Which we is, are all our own favorite subjects. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of funny how narcissistic we are. Well, Steve is admittedly. Oh well, yeah. I Steve's one hundred percent psychologically diagnosed narcissist. Yes. Are you a full blown yeah. narc? I'm surprised I didn't date you, Steve. I seem to be be drawn to them. (laughs) Sorry, present company. (laughs) Jerry, you're a narcissist? No, he's not. What are you doing after the show? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Are you going to write another book or you think you're done with that? You know what? Again. I think you could burn the place down. I've got good Christian bastards all teed up and ready to go. (laughs) Is that about me, Kim? Come on. Can I be in it? You can be in it. Bougie Sean. You can you can all be in it. I wanna go I wanna go to brunch and take Bougie Sean <laughs> over in Dallas and just Oh, they those girls would love you over there, Bougie. They'd be so happy to know a black person. <laughs> they love it, man. Remember that time we took him to lunch in Jasper? <laughs> yeah, we took him into Walmart in Jasper, That's Texas. It. That oh, was uncomfortable. We got off the tour bus and went to Walmart. I was like Bougie's. And he's in there buying kombucha and, and all this keto-friendly <laughs> snacks and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> You're buying spam Come in a can. On, man. Buy some soul food. Represent. <laughs> can you not get a tater log from the deli? <laughs> collards and a pulley bone? Son of a bitch. <laughs> I have no idea what you just rattled off I know, on that I can't list. Take my black friends anywhere. It's too cultured. I, I think what you wrote about is so fascinating because there is a piece of Dallas. That is unlike most of Dallas. You know, it's so funny because everybody who moves to Holland Park from elsewhere or they live in Holland Park for a certain amount of time and then they move away. um, They're like, okay, what was that freak show? It's a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It is 100%. Okay. Well, here's what's really funny is on June 5th, I have a book coming out called Bubble Wrap and it's R.A.P. You know, because it's like all these girls are moving to Holland Park and they're trying to be more Holland Park than Holland Park. And it drives me crazy. Yeah. And then they'll do something like put a trampoline in their front yard. And like, <laughs> it, it, like, no, we don't do that over here. You know, so, I mean, it's literally like a handbook. It's kind of like the the neighborhood equivalent of the preppy handbook. You know, it's like, let, let me teach you how to navigate this because clearly, clearly you're struggling. You know, I, I, I completely agree because even like my boss, you know, that's Leslie mm-hmm. Crozier. She's kind of in that, that mm-hmm. grew up in that, went to Hockaday and all of that. And even after spending five minutes with me, she's like, you would never survive. Yeah. No, actually, I think you'd do pretty good. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. I, I probably would put a trailer in my in the trailer. I would be like Uncle Eddie. Well, that's what I told him. I said, it's the Arkansas equivalent <laughs> of the washer dryer on the front right. porch. You yeah, know, you'd so have, I would take the, the wheels off the trailer the before I You got a $3 million house. house. Doesn't it have a backyard? You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. and if it doesn't have room for the trampoline, clearly you can make friends with a neighbor that has one, you know? Yeah. It's see that that was totally that was totally what kind of you know this this family that did well out in rural Texas did mm-hmm. well and you want to give your family a better life and your kids you know and you, so you move them to Highland or University Park or mm-hmm. something and now it's just these salt of the earth common common sense people who move in there and that was our idea now they're trying to deal with this community around them and think and you talking about that's exactly right mm-hmm. you know you come in you're like well, well we're just doing what we do you know this is our house and our property and our yard and then people are like <laughs> yeah no 
No. <laughs> so I couldn't put, no, I couldn't it's not. My barbecue pit outside. There's where you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no. You may oh, pay the taxes. God. You may have qualified for the mortgage, all yeah. that, but no. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. There's an unspoken. There's a way like we joy. do things you know, I grew around up in Augustus, like people say, well, how much does it cost to be a member at the Augusta National? I said, well, it doesn't matter what it costs. It's not that expensive. Uh, if you have to ask one, you ain't making enough mm-hmm. money. And it's not because of the price. Right. It's because of... Like they they didn't want Bill Gates. It took Bill Gates forever to be a member at the Augusta National at the Masters. You know that's so funny you said that because that's one of the things I talk about in my new book is how the word afford mm-hmm. is not always about money. That's exactly right. And I, you you can't afford to do that. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I'm not talking about your bank balance. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Hey, if you are of the mental constitution, if you're strong enough, if you can handle it. And, and deal with a whole lot of truth that's going to make you think, make you laugh. You need to get good Christian bitches. And, uh, and then it's going to come out on the CW. I'm excited, to, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Hopefully Kristen will be back on it. And, oh, I hope so. You're going to have to come to Austin when we're filming. I'm coming. Okay. Absolutely. Bring your friends. I'll bring it on down. <laughs> we'll do it. I mean, I'm in hot demand looking like this, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, here I am wrapped up in plastic wrap. I got blood oozing out of my arm, and it's all sealed up in there and gross. It'll be worth but, it. Yeah. That's good. I'm all, yeah. It's hot in here, so we're going to get out of here. Kim, thank you. You're welcome anytime to just thank come hang so out and talk. And I want to I want to follow up with you in coming months. I want to find out what the process is going. Thank we'll get you. you in the new studio where the, we have air conditioning. Oh, that'll be a treat. Yeah, I know, because <laughs> you and I are having hot flashes in here. So. I mean, I'm old and I'm tired and I'm hot. <laughs> uh, well, you're lovely. And I love those shoes. Thank so, you. Listen. Find me on the road. Go to watchchat.com. You can find uh, my tour schedule out there. we got a ton of new dates that are about to be announced. Uh, get Kim's book. Check it out and uh, read it. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Chad Prather Show. Always go to where podcasts are offered. Subscribe, download, leave us a review. Only five stars. We don't accept one-star reviews. <laughs> we do not. We're having too much fun here. And I just encourage everybody to stay horned. I love y'all. God bless. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.